Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah! It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show with you. And I do want to talk about the Warriors and that win they had over the Thunder today, 106-98. to Currently, against the spread, after that spread was minus 9, since the Thunder lost by 8, I ended up taking that one. So as of now, I am 3-1 and one against the spread. And the over-under yesterday was at 223.5 or 225.5, somewhere around there. But either way, I took the under, and the under hit. So 3-1 and one on the season against the spread, 3-1 and one on the over-under, in case you want to continue to pay attention to my betting before every Warrior game. Uh, but I also want to get into the 49ers as well later on today, because... Seth Wickersham, who wrote the book on the Patriots dynasty, the one big sports book that was released uh, earlier on this year. And another excerpt has come to the forefront, and I don't think it's going to make 49er fans too happy. So we will get to that later on in the program as well. But when we have games like we had last night between the Warriors and the Thunder, where the Thunder come out hot. I mean, you go into the half, you're down fifty nine to uh, you're down fifty nine to forty eight, and you think, "Damn, what is happening?" And I always go back to this clip from two years ago, and this is one of my favorite ones to play. And any time that this type of thing happens, which uh, which could be pretty prevalent here as we go forward in the season and they have a a few games where they're going to be playing teams like the Oklahoma City Thunder who aren't very good. But I always go back to this clip from 2019 during this interview with a high school football player at the end of his game. I think this one relates to the Warriors last night. All right. Well, at first we started slow. We started real slow. And, you know, that's all right. That's okay because sometimes in life you're going to start slow. That's okay. We we, we told ourselves, hey, we're going to start slow. We're going to keep going 
run fast. We're going to start slow, but we're always, always going to finish fast. No matter what the score was, we're going to finish hard. We're going to finish fast. Yeah, they had us the first half. I'm not going to lie. They had us. We weren't defeated, but they had us. But it took guts. It took an attitude. That's all it takes. That's all it takes to be successful is an attitude. <laughs> so, so you have that. Obviously, they got them in the first half. Yeah, they had us the first half. I'm not going to lie. They did. They did. They had their number. The 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 Thunder were hitting shots. Um, they were knocking down threes. They were more efficient with the three-pointer than the Warriors were. I think the Warriors only knocked down six out of the 21 in their first half compared to the uh, compared to the Thunder, who scored seven on far fewer three-pointers. Um, they were winning in points in the paint. I think the Thunder were up 30-20, to 20, and I got that stat from Bonte Hill on the halftime show. Shout out to you, Bonte, for that one. Jerry uh, Warriors halftime live. But it was, to me, it was Damian Lee, and that's the reason why they got this win yesterday. Steph... Steph was Steph. I mean, he had 23 points on 6 of 14 shooting. And it feels like even through these four games, even after that big game two that he had, that Steph just isn't even playing up to his potential. It almost feels that way. I know that he is. I'm not saying he's not. But it feels like we just haven't had those crazy Steph games where he's knocking down 10 three-pointers and going for the and one while dribble driving to the hoop. But uh, Steph with 23 points. Jordan Poole, we'll get to him in a second. Uh, Andrew Wiggins had 21 points on seven on 17 shots, and he was 0 for 5 from 3. Not very efficient, but he knocked down shots when he needed to, and he also got some big-time rebounds, one of them offensive where it was a putback, which was pretty instrumental there in the third quarter. But Damian Lee off the bench, 26 minutes. He scored 20 points on 14 shots. He led the team in plus-minus. He was a plus-16 on the floor, and he was 4 of 7 overall from 3. Knocked down a, a, a big one later on in the game, which would eventually lead to the dagger layup. And I thought Damian Lee, or I think Damian Lee this year, has been a breath of, a breath of fresh air. I, I, in these four games, he's knocked down 15 points in Game 1 against the Lakers, 11 points in Game 2 against the Clippers, another 11 points in in the game against Sacramento, and then 20 points in yesterday's game against OKC, all while coming off the bench. And when you have a guy like Jordan Poole, who just isn't playing up to his potential right now as far as shooting... Whenever you whenever you hear from Steve Kerr or Mike Brown, who was on the morning roast earlier this week, whenever you hear from those guys, whenever they mention a Jordan Poole, they talk about his defense. They don't even talk about his shooting. They talk about that level of defense in which he's gotten better. So I think they expect that he can eventually improve on his shooting, but he just hasn't been very good. Yet again, a- another cold night for him. He was 0 for 7 overall from 3, 5 of 14 shooting, and only had 10 points in yesterday's game. And he hasn't been able to pick up the slack that's left without Steph Curry on the floor. Because that was the that was the Achilles heel of this Warriors team when they were losing games. It was the plus-minus differential when Steph was off the floor. And we're not going to pay attention too much to that. But Damian Lee was making up for everything that Jordan Poole wasn't giving you in his 29 minutes on the floor. And Steve Kerr spoke about Damian Lee last night after the game. 
I thought Damian was fantastic. Kenny Atkinson just called him Rod Carew for, for you old-time baseball fans. Um, just every game he gets a couple of hits. I mean, he's, he's just so uh, rock solid in every way. Ball moves when he's out there. He makes the right cut. He makes the right pass. And he's a big-time shooter. So, And his defense is, is, is really solid. So Damian has been uh, fantastic. He's having a, a great uh, early part of the season. And it's not surprising given that he was fantastic every every day of training camp, probably our most consistent player throughout. So it's great to see he's earned this. And with David Lee, though, comparing him to Rod Carew, because Rod Carew just never struck out. All he did was just hit, 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 singles, doubles. Wasn't really much of a, of a home run guy. But this dude, Rod Carew, would be... That type of player wouldn't exist in today's baseball, and the only difference is, in my opinion, whatever I hear that, uh, whatever I hear that comparison, or when I saw that comparison, he does strike out a couple of times in games too. There are some frustrating moments with Damian Lee. You know, like when he misses an open layup every now and then, which I think he did in, was it game two, when there was an open layup he had in the fourth quarter when they needed it and he just couldn't get it done. Um, But then he ended up knocking down a big shot later on in the game. But he continues to do that. And yesterday they really did need him as the team just wasn't very hot overall scoring the basketball. Overall they were 35% uh, from three and 47% from the field, which isn't that bad. Um, but when everyone on the bench, uh, Otto Porter actually came through, I thought, in the second half leading into the fourth quarter. I thought Otto Porter uh, was fantastic. He knocked down a big-time three later on, which gave the Warriors the lead uh, going into the fourth quarter. So there were a couple there. Um, Iguodala is Iguodala. He's just going to give you a good defense whenever he's on the floor. In his 19 minutes, he only put up the three shots. And we had a Chris Chioza signing. A Chris Chioza signing. I didn't think we'd be seeing that this early on in the season. But I guess with the way that uh, they staggered Steph's minutes and they're trying to... Uh, according to Steve Kerr, be cognizant of those minutes. I think that uh, we were expected to get that today. I don't know if that's how it's going to be uh, moving forward. And one stat that's really interesting that Anthony Slater of The Athletic, uh, he wrote out here, but the starting lineup, and this is just something to monitor. This isn't something that I'm going to, this isn't something that I'm going to harp on, but this is just something to monitor. The Warriors' starting lineup with Curry, Poole, Wiggins, Green, and Kevon Looney. Again, this is from Anthony Slater. They were outscored by seven against the Thunder last night, and now across the four games in their 46 minutes on the floor with that starting uh, starting unit, they are a cumulative minus nine on the floor. So the, the part of the team that's supposed to be the strength, which is the starting five, they've been minus nine on the floor, and here's the best part. They're 4-0. <laughs> like, that's all that matters right now. The, 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 the minus shouldn't even, shouldn't even be a topic. It is a stat, but they're 4-0 even when their starting five isn't producing like you want them to to start out the game in the opening minutes. So I think that's something where you could look at it as a negative, but there's a total silver lining in all of that. And you know what? I'm going to give the Thunder some credit, too. I'm going to give the Thunder some credit. They were playing 
they were so aggressive, you know, and that's the that's the best part about playing these teams who virtually have uh, nothing to lose at the beginning of the season. When you're when you're going down the stretch, that's a time when they're in a lull and really they are playing for that number one overall pick. That's when the tanking starts to show its ugly face. But at the beginning of the season, that's when these teams play hard, and when you got. Lou Dort and Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander and that rookie Josh Giddy. And I saw someone on Twitter, I wish I could attribute this to them, but I saw someone say that he looks like Timothy Chevrolet. <laughs> they said, hey, when did Josh Giddy get done filming Dune? When was the premiere and how did he get time to play basketball and trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder? He was the sixth overall pick. Even thought there was a possible chance that the that what the Warriors could have even gotten him. <laughs> Josh Giddy was even in uh, even in some of those mock drafts, but it's Shea Gilgis Alexander on this team. Thirty points. The dude's going to be a stud. And if you can figure out a way with all of those draft picks. I don't know what's happening with Alexei Pokushevsky. Had a lot of high hopes for that guy when he was a rookie last year, but it looks like they've uh, put him to the bench and given him what, far less minutes than they were giving him last year. But Shea Gilgis-Alexander is so smooth with it. He can hit the mid-range. He can hit the three. He can handle. He can pass. He could do it all. In his 36 minutes, he had his 30 points. Granted, he had five fouls on the night, but that man is going to be really good. And I don't know if the Thunder are going to figure out a way to build around him, but he is going to make whichever team, if he ends up getting traded, whatever, he's going to turn one team that could possibly be a fringe playoff candidate all the way to a team that's for sure a, a, a playoff I'm going to be a part of the playoff fixture moving forward. So shout out to Ga- uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. All right. Coming up next, I want to get into this because there was an excerpt from a book, from Seth Wickersham's book on the Patriots, that has to do with the 49ers. Now, we saw this earlier on this year where there was that rumor that the 49ers had uh, had passed up on Tom Brady after watching a bunch of film on both him and Garoppolo from their 2019 season and deciding to go with Garoppolo. Well, it turns out there's been another addition to this saga, and I'll get into all the details next, and then I'll have a question for you on the other side, and that's where I want you to participate at 888 this excerpt from Seth Wickersham's book on the Patriots has to do with the 49ers. That's coming up next. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Hey, call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. 
Subscribe to AtBat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. From the 415, as we will get into the 49ers here, I want to get into this excerpt. But from the 415, Jordan Poole had seven assists. Put some love on him. That's from the lawman. Look, if I'm trying to find anything to critique from that game and and from this season so far, and really, it's not much to critique here. It's not like I'm saying Jordan Poole is a bad shooter. I'm just saying he has not been very good shooting the basketball so far this season. That's all I'm saying. Now, I, I get that he had seven assists last night, and you're going up against a Thunder team that you should be beating, but... Overall, if he's improved on defense, that's what matters the most. And I do think he's going to be uh, knocking down those shots later on in the th- in the future. Because if there's anything that we know about Jordan Poole, it's how confident that he is shooting the basketball. And I think that's going to carry over. It's just 24% from three. 24% from three overall in these four games so far. It's not very good. And that's really the one thing to critique from last night's win. A win is a win. A win is a win, and they're 4-0 on the season. There's not really much to complain about, but I did have to point that out. I'm sorry, lawman. I, pre- I apologize. I apologize. All right. Now, I'm going to get to the details from this book, from the excerpt of this book. And once I get to the details, I'll throw out the number, and you can weigh in at 888-957-9570, even though I just threw out the number right now. So... This book has been much anticipated. Now, here in the Bay Area, I don't know how much people want to hear or read, excuse me, about the Patriots dynasty. I I don't know. Seth Wickersham is a very plugged in, very resourceful writer, and he writes for ESPN, does some great work. And he wrote this book about the New England Patriots dynasty called It's Better to Be Feared. And there was one excerpt that had people up in arms early in the season when at the beginning, I I believe this was toward the beginning of the book, but one of these excerpts was reported in saying that Kyle Shanahan and his staff, not just Shanahan, Shanahan was in Cabo at the time, according to the book, but he had gone through tape of Tom Brady along with his staff. They all did it separately. They looked at Jimmy Garoppolo's tape, Tom Brady's tape, all from 2019. Every single snap. And he said that they did not want to go with Jimmy Gar- that they did not want to go with Tom Brady over Jimmy Garoppolo. They thought that Jimmy Garoppolo was quote marginally better than Tom Brady in that 2019 season. So when I when I saw that of course, you're questioning why do, why doesn't you know why wouldn't Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch go after the goat Tom Brady and seeing how he does right now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and seeing how he's done with Tampa Bay and the fact that he's you know almost just as good of a, as a quarterback as he was when he was 35. Eh, well, maybe not. Maybe maybe that's a little ah eh, 35. Whatever. He's 44 years old. Nine years ago, 2012. Yeah, sure. We could go with 35 years old as I just use a random number. 
But also, I understand it because Garoppolo did not have a bad season that 2019 year. And Tom Brady did not have a very good season that 2019 year. So after that, I, I, I understood it, why they didn't want to get him in 2020. If they really watched the tape and decided that Garoppolo was going to be their guy moving forward. Well... Another excerpt from this book has been released. And before I get to the details, can I just say that I kind of sat back and laughed when I saw this. And not the details of it, because I didn't see the details. But the first tweet that came out about this, which led everyone to trying to find that excerpt of the book. And this was the first I saw it. I, I didn't see it anywhere else. The original one that we talked about with Tom Brady and Garoppolo, that was from Matt Mayoko. Matt Mayoko wrote it in an NBC Sports article. Hadn't heard anything since. And then we get this from Matt Miller. Matt Miller, who is the NFL draft scout on Twitter. Um, let me actually, let me just make sure to get his credentials correctly. He's an ESPN NFL draft analyst. The DraftScout.com, the founder, a draft guy. If you've listened to this station for a while, we love Matt Miller, especially because he's also a 49er fan. So he's going to give us some passion along with uh, his analysis and his actual opinion, too, and also some realistic stuff. But Matt Miller tweeted, in Seth Wickersham's book, he reports that the Patriots called the 49ers asking about Garoppolo's trade value on day one of the draft. New England reportedly offered a, uh, offered a second. San Francisco wanted a first. Now, before we get to the details of the book, the thing that made me laugh is that we found out from Matt Miller two weeks later about this excerpt from the book. It took us two weeks... It took us two weeks to follow up with that 49ers report about Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo. Now with a trade involving Jimmy Garoppolo. It took two weeks for someone to sift through that book and find that report. As opposed to now where everything on Twitter is just reported instantly. We know about trades even before the oh, their own players know about them. We get an Adam Schefter blue checkmark tweet. We get an Adrian Wojnarowski blue checkmark tweet right away. But it took two weeks because this report was in a book. It just makes me laugh in today's society because that's how we are. I'd be the same way. I'd be the same way. And did, I'm not trying to call out the 49ers beat writers here, but did no one think to maybe try and sift through that? See if there's anything else that had to do with the 49ers so that they could be the first on this? Because the details... And let me read the tweet one more time. In Seth Wickersham's book, he reports that the Patriots called the 49ers asking about Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value on day one of the draft. New England reportedly offered a second. San Francisco wanted a first. And then you get to the actual excerpt from the book. Now, I don't want to go through the first half of it because it's, uh, it, it's pretty wordy and it's pretty long, as books are. But let's get to the second half of the ex- excerpt here. There was an informal call between a high-level representative of the Patriots and a high-level 49ers official. What was Garoppolo's price? Talking about this season. New England wondered if a second-rounder would suffice, calling it even from 2017. And as we know, Garoppolo was traded for a second-rounder. But the 49ers wouldn't take less than a first. For the moment, at least, San Francisco was counting on Garoppolo to be the same quarterback for 2021. The Patriots reached the same conclusion as San Francisco. They liked the potential of the available first-round quarterbacks more than Garoppolo and moved on. 
So the value that the 49ers were asking for was a first rounder when the Patriots had said, hey, do you want that second rounder back? We, we, we want Jimmy Garoppolo. We're not really sure about our quarterback situation moving forward. Yeah, we got Cam Newton, but he's not going to be the starter here. We don't, we, we, we don't trust that he could be a starter in this league right now. So, you know what? Here, take a second rounder. We'll take back Jimmy Garoppolo. We think we can, we can turn him into something. And right now, I'm reading that. And my reaction, first off, is, okay, is this true? Now I, I need to believe I would I'm led to believe that a guy like Seth Wickersham, who has been around as long as he has, who is who is as connected as he as he is, I, I, I'm not doubting that he has his sources when when talking about this. But I also wonder how much of this book, because it is a Patriots book after all, and it's talking about the the title of it is "It's Better to Be Feared." And it talks about the dynasty of the New England Patriots or in the, in the pursuit of greatness. Now, isn't part of that pursuit of greatness kind of lowballing other teams? Getting value from certain players when there's not really much value there? You know, giving away draft picks, essentially, in order to get players where maybe they can make something of them? Swinging deals where they come out on top and the other team comes out on bottom? So I wonder if this was just, I'm not going to say it's just a total fake report. I'm not going to say it's fake news, but was it fabricated at all? And was this Patriots official who he talked to, trying to, whoever he talked to about this, are they just trying to make the Patriots dynasty seem that much greater to this point? Or is this true? Completely true. And that's where I want to know from you at 888-957-9570 at the text line or the phone number. After all of that, do you believe that the 49ers really wanted a first-rounder for Jimmy Garoppolo instead of a second as the Patriots were going to offer? 888 at the text line of the phone number. Because that value for Garoppolo is not there anymore. It is not there. A second-rounder, certainly not worth the second-rounder. I mean, you wanted a first-rounder for a guy who hadn't even played in 2020. And I wonder who this is. Like that, I wonder, first off, how true this is, and I also wonder who's, to, who, who's the one to blame here. Who's the one that we got to be paying attention to? Is it Kyle Shanahan? Is it John Lynch who was making this decision? Is it the both of them? Like who, The balance of power for the 49ers, I think that conversation has been fascinating going forward. But when I see something like this, I would think that it would be John Lynch the general manager, if I had to guess, when they're doing negotiations like that. And right now, with this team, the way that it's playing, I know Kyle Shanahan hasn't been the play caller you want him to be. I know that everyone's really frustrated with him, with his game management, and and all the, you know, the the, the fact that, you know, you'd, you'd score a field goal on a possession right after a turnover, and you did it after running the ball for 12 yards, and then you throw it three straight times. It's certain drives like that which make you question what the hell Kyle Shanahan was thinking. But also, all of this conversation has started, in my opinion, when you had Jimmy Garoppolo, 
you know, and you've trusted him to be your franchise guy. And I personally think that Kyle Shanahan and his play calling has been held back. I think that he is calling plays scared because he just doesn't have a quarterback that he can trust. And he thought he could in 2021, but also you wonder how much he did trust him. You know, they drafted Trey Lance, sure, but I, I, I just don't know. When Shanahan's at the podium, I don't know how much he really is believing what he's saying when he says Garoppolo's going to be our starter this season. Because John Lynch was the guy who convinced him that Garoppolo could be here. You know, when everyone was wondering about Kirk Cousins and who Shanahan was going to get, Mitchell Trubisky was another report that Kyle Shanahan liked him, and then John Lynch said, no, there's a guy over there in New England named Jimmy Garoppolo who we can get for what seemed like pretty good value at the time with the second rounder, which actually was good value. I, I, I don't doubt that. I think at the time, you know, back in 2017, before all these injuries happened, I, I do think that that trade uh, was worth it. In these next few years, he's just taken a step back in his time as a quarterback but I wonder with that trade with them saying no Garoppolo's worth the first rounder you know we always talk about Kyle Shanahan and his arrogance but I wonder what it's like with John Lynch and Jimmy Garoppolo because he seemed to be a firm believer in Jimmy G so I wonder 888-957-9570 that's the text line and the phone number who are you pointing the finger at in this situation? Are you looking at Kyle Shanahan? Are you looking at John Lynch? 888-957-9570. I'll go through all those details again, and then we'll get back into the Warriors and their win against the Thunder. And my drop was not working. All right, 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. You don't even just have to answer that question. Just any thoughts overall you have on this Report here from Seth Wickersham's book, It's Better to Be Feared. All right, 888-957-9570. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. I like to let this one ride. By the way, if you're into hip hop, and I do want to continue to talk to 49ers here, and I'll get to the I'll get to the question at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. But when it comes to hip hop, I know a lot of people out here aren't really into uh, the English stuff that's coming out. You know, the popular ones like Skepta or Stormzy, whoever that is. But if you want to see, if you want to try something new, and you want to. Uh, expand your music horizons i recommend little sims little sims little spelled like little then sims spelled like sims but with a z at the end highly recommend her music if you're into if you're into hip-hop and rap and want to uh want to hear something new so little sims shout out to little sims came out with an album earlier this year all right now speaking of earlier this year <laughs> i'm still working on my transitions and radio speaking of earlier this year we had that report a couple of weeks ago, and you know what? I'm going to reset the details here because I do understand there's a new crowd of listeners here at uh, at 5.38 in the morning. So I do want to just reset with what I'm talking about. But earlier this year in the, in the football season, was it like week two, I think, when this came out? It was a little while back. But... 
there was a report, and it came from the book, It's Better to Be Feared, the book about the Patriots dynasty uh, by Seth Wickersham. And someone caught an excerpt of the book, and that someone was Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area. And without going through the entire excerpt, essentially... Seth Wickersham said that the 49ers, after the 2019 season, Tom Brady had made it known to Wes Welker, who was a wide receivers coach, that he wanted to go back to his hometown of San Francisco. So in that instance, Kyle Shanahan and his coaching staff all watched tape from every play from both of those quarterbacks in 2019. Every play from Jimmy Garoppolo, every play from Tom Brady. And they concluded that Garoppolo was, quote, marginally better than Tom Brady in 2019 and that we're going to go stick with Jimmy moving forward in the 2020 season. And when I saw that, I thought it was understandable. Like, if you're going to tell me to go through tape of 2019 and, and try and dissect every throw, I'm not going to be able to see the same stuff that they're seeing. You know, like Shanahan and Mike McDaniel, Rich Scangarello, all those guys. I'm not going to be able to see that. But I, I think you could make the case that Garoppolo had a better 2019 season than Tom Brady. And I know Tom Brady's the GOAT, and we, we, we saw him win a Super Bowl in 2020. So in hindsight, it's very easy to say, yeah, the 49ers should have gotten Tom Brady. But when I saw that, I understood it. But then this came out, and th- this is just what's funny about reporting. This is two weeks after the book was released. The book was published on the 12th, and I think hit bookshelves on the 12th, if there are even such thing as bookshelves on anymore. But two weeks later, we had something else come out from the book. It took two weeks to get to this. And I think this is a bit of news that 49er fans would have been interested in hearing. And the person who tweeted out about it, and it was just random. It's not like this was an orchestrated report where it's all calculated. It's just a guy in Matt Miller who is not just a guy. He's an excellent draft analyst. We always have him on before draft season. He's also a 49er fan. So shout out to Matt Miller. He actually really does terrific work. He's on ESPN. He's a draft analyst. And he's a founder of thedraftscout.com. And on Twitter, he just writes a simple tweet yesterday. In Seth Wickersham's book, he reports that the Patriots called the 49ers asking about Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value on day one of the draft. New England reportedly offered a second. San Francisco wanted a first. So my first instinct was, okay, I got to get the book. <laughs> like, like, there's clearly more than just the whole, oh, yeah, we took Jimmy Garoppolo over Tom Brady after the 2019 season. There's clearly more than that. And in the excerpt, and we go to the second half here, there was an informal call. This is from the book. Between a high-level representative of the Patriots and a high-level 49ers official. What was Garoppolo's price? New England wondered if a second rounder would suffice, calling it even from 2017, as Garoppolo was traded for a second rounder. But the 49ers wouldn't take less than a first. For the moment, at least, San Francisco was counting on Garoppolo to be the quarterback for 2021. The Patriots reached the same conclusion as San Francisco. They liked the potential of the available first-round quarterbacks more than Garoppolo and moved on. So... I wonder, there's a few things that I wonder here. One, how true this is, because this was a book about the Patriots, after all, and their dynasty. So this could be a situation where they're just saying this in order to make it seem just as great as it is. And even after Tom Brady's gone, they're still finessing other teams or or, or whatever it is. I, I don't know. Is it John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan? That's another question. 
because John Lynch has been Jimmy Garoppolo has been John Lynch's guy. I know Kyle Shanahan has been the one who's started him week after week. Uh, but John Lynch has been just as much of a proponent as Jimmy as anybody else. And he was the reason that Jimmy Garoppolo was, uh, that why Kyle Shanahan looked at Garoppolo in the first place. So I do wonder if John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan are the ones who made the call. Also, when did this happen? Because they were saying that the Patriots reached the same conclusion as San Francisco. They liked the potential of available first-round quarterbacks more than Garoppolo. But I wonder when that came out. I wonder how long before the draft. How long before they eventually traded two of their first-rounders uh, and a third-rounder as well. I guess three first-rounders, technically, if you really count the, that trade from the draft to move up as a first-round trade. Everyone's counting that in. I don't necessarily. I just think two first-rounders in the future as well as a third-rounder. Uh, but w- how long ago was this decision made? Like, how far before the draft? And 888 I want to hear from you at the at the phone line or the text line because seeing this and knowing how it's played out, Garoppolo ain't worth a first rounder. He ain't worth a second rounder. Hell, I don't even know what his value is right now, especially with what happened on Sunday night. But we do have a couple of callers on the line. And first off, let's get to Duriel in San Jose. What's going on, Duriel? Hey, you know what it is, Steven? Nice guy. You know, you don't treat people like that. We don't do business like that. First of all, we're a class organization. The San Francisco 49ers. We're one of the greatest organizations to ever be in sports. We're not going to trade somebody who went to the Super Bowl and had one bad year for a second-round pick. We got Trey Lance in the draft like we wanted to. We wanted Zach Wilson, but we got Trey Lance. And guess what it is? It's Trey Area. And guess what? Tom Brady, We, if we could go back in time, we would have took Tom Brady. He went, and then he was playing with the Tampa Bay 49ers, and he won the Super Bowl. And he showed Jimmy Garoppolo, James Garoppolo, how it's done. And James couldn't do it this year. He hasn't been good enough. He lost more than two games in a row. And his bags are already packed. Mm-hmm. So that's how it goes. And me and Joe from Pittsburgh, we built Levi Stadium. I was a bricklayer, and I was catching bricks around there and throwing bricks like Jerry Rice. So you're going to be on your best behavior, and you're going to root for the 49ers for the whole entire game when you go to my stadium. Wow. All right, Duriel. How about that? Was that Duriel at San Jose, or was that Jed York? And I'm sorry, but I completely disagree. I think you're devaluing a second-round pick. I know you may not think it seems like much, but with the way that Garoppolo played last year, it wasn't just one bad season, in my opinion, Duriel. I don't think he was ever that good. Sure, he you know helped take the team to the Super Bowl, but there were also question marks surrounding his talent and how much he could throw downfield, which he didn't do very often. And the reason that we put Kyle Shanahan so high on this pedestal is because a lot of people do believe it's due to pl- Kyle Shanahan's play calling that Garoppolo was even, even able to have that success in 2019. But look, when you look at these second rounders, there's a lot of value that you can find there. Um, you know, the, the Niners ended up taking Aaron Banks. Uh, and the for overall though, you got Tevin Jenkins, uh, Javante Williams. Just looking at the second round picks here, 
Trevon Merrick, who ended up going to the Raiders. Asante Samuel Jr. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, who could be one of the best defensive rookies right now. He's along with the Cleveland Browns. Dwayne Eskridge hasn't really been able to get on the field for the Seahawks as of yet. Uh, There are plenty of guys in the second round that you can find. But the fact that they didn't even... The fact that they thought he was worth a first-rounder. A first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy who has not been able to stay on the field all that much. Everyone was throwing the record in my face while I'm like, yeah, but he's only been he's been in the league for seven years. If he's only played 30 games, that's not that good. <laughs> Everyone was throwing the record in my face, and I understood it, but it wasn't that many games. It's not that large of a sample size for the amount of time that he'd been in the league. I, I don't know. I saw this yesterday, and I was just, I really, I was very high on this. Uh, I was very high on this 49ers front office, seriously. I, I know I'm not a fan, but I thought they were doing everything right. I really did. I thought all the moves that they were making, the fact that they got to the Super Bowl in 2019, no, nobody expected that. But a lot of the reason for it was how they had built the roster leading up to that point. And now when you had a couple of instances where a guy like Joe Staley uh, retires from the team, you get a couple of injuries in 2020 and things go, go south, but then some of these moves that they've made, the draft picks that they made, you see what's happening with Brandon Nayuk right now. Um, Aaron Banks hasn't really played so much in the offensive line and you drafted him early. You know, the, the Solomon Thomas thing didn't work out. It's just, I thought... I really thought that this 49ers front office was uh, doing the right thing. I really thought they were in the heading in the right direction. But I'm not going to lie, seeing this stuff it it makes you it makes you question their decision making a little more than you already might. Than you already might. All right, triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. We're getting some calls here at the text line and the phone number. Uh, again, I don't have a, I don't have a call screener for the produ- uh, for as a producer, so I just do it live on air. Man, this is. This is just as sloppy as the Manning cast. <laughs> it's just so unprofessional. So we'll go to the caller here. What's your name? Where you calling from? I'm screening your name live on air. And if I don't answer to you, that means that I'm just uh, waiting to answer your call. So what's your name? Where you calling from? It's Bud. Mother. Bud in Oakland. What's going on, Bud? What's happening? Hey, that other guy, man, he's hitting his juice pretty hard this morning. I yeah. thought that was Hulk Hogan getting ready for a wrestling match. <laughs> phone. You know what I mean? Hey, hey bud, he built Levi Stadium. He built it with himself hey, by himself. Hey, I hope he wasn't off that ju- He might have been off that juice when he built it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Listen, uh, uh, this Kyle Senehan thing, man, it stinks. It stinks like dirty laundry. And that's what's coming out right now. Every other day, you got some dirty laundry about this 49 right. organization, about uh, missing, uh, you know, players that they could have had, draft picks that's not working out, draft picks that they gave up on too early, maybe. Uh, this was Kyle Shanahan feeling himself, and like as Martin said, trying to stone with the big dog. So, you take this quarterback from New England, and you guys make it to a fluky Super Bowl. I'm calling it a fluky Super Bowl because your team hasn't gone nowhere, has regressed since then. But you guys make it to a fluky Super Bowl, and they call you back and they say, "Hey, look, man, we'll we, you know we'll take this guy back for the same price of which you know what you guys paid for." Him. And you're like, "No, I want a first rounder. Why? Because he made it to a Super Bowl. Because he made it to one Super Bowl. Every single throw that he missed in that game, 
I guarantee you Tom Brady would have made that throw. Hmm. So for them not to eat, for them to go ahead and look at the tape, and I understand they said they're looking at the tape from that one year. But have you guys not looked at the tape from the past 20 years? The guys who's, who's the most winning in Super Bowl and quarterback in, in NFL history, you're not even going to give him a chance to come in and work out. You're going to choose that. You're going to choose Jimmy Garoppolo over the guy who just hung the, 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 the number seven Super Bowl, which could have been even for the 49ers organization if you guys want to do a bunch of thinking about the ifs and whips. Like I said, all this is proven is that Shanahan thinks he can show with the big dogs, and like I said, he's getting in his own way, and this is dirty laundry that's hitting the air because there's no way I would have not even introduced Tom Brady to coming over to play. The defense was still looking pretty hot. Yeah. He said he wanted to come to play. He was willing to do everything for the organization. Had you guys even entertained the thought. But for Cal Shanahan to say, no, nah, I don't even want – or for whoever in the organization, like I said, it smells like Cal. But, hey, man, that dude, everybody wants to say Jimmy's bag is packed. Nah, I think Cal, Cal's bags, they're there in the room. They're packed in a room. He still has them in the closet. You know, he still has his weekly wear out. But Kyle, Kyle's on his way out the door. As much more as the dirty laundry comes out, oh, man, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's going to be stinking. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I appreciate you, bud. And, and and I'm not focusing so much on Tom Brady, though, because this new excerpt that came out, the Tom Brady thing is two years old, and I don't want people thinking here, as they're tuning in at 5.52 in the morning, that I'm going back to an excerpt from a book uh, from a month ago. But a new one has just re- uh, has just surfaced here, and it's taken two weeks in order for it to do so. But what the excerpt is explaining is that the – Patriots offered a second-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo prior to the draft, and the Niners said, no, we want a first-rounder instead. And the deal was off, and as we know, New England went on to uh, to, to draft Mac Jones, and we're seeing how that's all working out. But I, I mentioned this yesterday, and I'm going to continue to say this. This is like my broken record take here for Kyle Shanahan, but as long as Trey Lance is in the building, there's no way. I mean, he's got that contract extension, Kyle Shanahan, that is. There's no way that he's going to be gone from this team. I think Trey Lance is his last hurrah to see how he goes, and that's why I actually want to see him. Uh, maybe not in this Bears game. I don't know. Maybe not even uh, in these next couple. Maybe against the Jags is the next time that you want to see Trey Lance, which is a few weeks from now. Um, but it, this whole thing, just everything coming out about it, and you're right, bud. It, you're right, because the fact that there's off-the-field noise you know, and, and we can have this conversation about, uh, from the 5-1-0, for example, funny thing, 2019, the defense took the team to the Super Bowl, not Jimmy or Shanahan's play calling. And we could go back and forth on that on the 2019 season. It's actually an interesting discussion. But you know the thing about that discussion, 5-1-0, is that that's a conversation about what's happening on the field. It's not about what's happening off the field. Anything that's happening off the field with these teams, if your team is going through that, you don't want it. You don't want it because that means something is not right. That means there's something that's distracting from the team. 
Now, sometimes, I mean, for example, with what the Raiders are doing are doing with John Gruden, it's a little bit of a separate instance because he's not a part of the team anymore. If he still was a part of the team, you don't think that that would be hanging over the Raiders organization right now? You don't think that that would be on the team's minds as that's all it's talked about is why John Gruden is still hired there? You know, like that's what these teams are trying to uh, avoid. That's what he was trying to avoid. And I think that um, with this situation, it's it's not something that you want to that you want to see as a 49er fan, especially with how things have gone. And when you look at these uh, past uh, trades, um, Carson Wentz was traded for a second rounder and a third rounder in order to go to the Colts. And they thought that Garoppolo was worth a first-round pick. Did did that guy who was playing in a 49er uniform on Sunday night, did he look like that he could be a first-round pick, worth a first-round pick? Because all that was traded for for the, uh, for the Colts to get Carson Wentz was a 2021 third-rounder and a 2022 second-rounder. And Garoppolo didn't even look worth that. And there's also the money situation too. They are going to be, um, you know, they are going to be getting a little bit of a cheaper compensation because, after all, the Colts are going to be paying the salary. But man, this is just this being this coming out now. It's just I don't know. I really don't know what to think about this organization right now. I don't know what direction it wants to go in. I don't even know. I mean, this shows that they have confidence in Jimmy, but is that the right decision? Was that really the right decision to have the confidence in Jimmy to be your quarterback going forward? In in instead of getting a instead of getting a first round pick, that does show or excuse me, instead of getting a second round pick, it does show that they had faith in their team going forward in the season and obviously you want to win in the season that's in front of you, but you also got to plan for the future too and uh, was Jimmy Garoppolo going to be a part of this future following the 2021-2022 season depending on how we did? No. No, there's a possibility he could have gotten, you know, traded and his value could have gone higher depending on how it went, but his value ain't going to be as high as a second rounder. All right, let's go to Mike in Pleasant Hill. Mike in Pleasant Hill, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, brother? Hey, I, I won't talk about Draymond and the 75 graders. <laughs> but hey, hey uh, just talking about Garoppolo now, throwing the ball downfield, I know we're penalizing, but you know, if you go back to. Uh, where, where he learned that from his dad, Kubiak, George Seifert, Bill Walsh, that offense is crossing routes and throw it to Roger Craig on the flares back in the day. That's that type of offense. Now, do I think he can throw it down the field? He probably needs to crow hop and get a cutoff, man. But regardless, I just think that offense is just not throwing it down the field. So your take on that, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call, Mike. I think – I, I, I just don't think they're going to be calling plays for him to throw downfield. Now, that's not really in Kyle Shanahan's bag, and it's not so much the downfield plays that I'm complaining about, but it's the fact that with Garoppolo, all he the, his fastball, his number one pitch, he's kind of like Jake McGee, might give you a throw outside the numbers every once in a while, but the only time that he's going to be completing these passes as what it seems like this season is when these receivers are going on crossing routes and they're wide open in the middle of the field. But is that what you you can you know you can survive with that in the beginning of these quarters, but is that really what you want in a two minute drill going into the half or going toward the end of a game? No, not at all. 
There just could have been so many more options here. Um, if you didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo on the team, and I do find this interesting, I have the lack of um, judgment. All right, let's go to Ronnie in San Francisco. What's going on, Ronnie? Hey guys, I, I just think that right now it's a pride issue with uh, our coach Shanahan and, and John Lynch. They don't, they don't even want to take blame for all the mistakes they've made in the draft. Look at McGlinch, and he's getting beat like he stole something every week. You got your your safeties out there that are getting beat all day long. And we all want to blame just Jimmy. It's not just Jimmy. There's a lot of weak links, and it's directly from this coaching staff in the draft that they've made all the way up since they've been in-house. I appreciate the phone call, Ronnie. And I only have uh, a minute left in the show. That's a very interesting point, though. And the pride that these guys have, it's just its taken a toll on them this season. And you're still within contention. Sure, you're still in it. I mean, the top five teams have kind of separated themselves within the NFC. The Rams, the Cardinals, the Packers, uh, the Buccaneers. And why am I Rams, Cardinals, Buccaneers? Why am I blank? Why am I totally blanking on the other one? But there's one more team that's involved in there. And the 49ers are right down below those five. And there's still a chance, but man, all this off the field stuff, this book, I don't just, I just don't know how it came out two weeks later. I don't. All right. Wanted to talk more about the Warriors and the Thunder today, but I mean, when I saw this excerpt from the book, I was just like, okay, I got, I got to talk about this during the show. But in case you wanted a synopsis of my first segment on the Warriors and the Thunder, here it is. Real slow. And you know, that's all right. That's okay because sometimes in life you're going to start slow. That's okay. We, we, we told ourselves, hey, we're going to start slow. We're going to keep going fast. We're going to start slow, but we're always, always going to finish fast. No matter what the score was, we're going to finish hard. We're going to finish fast. Yeah, they had us. The, yeah, they had us the first half. I'm not going to lie. They had us. We weren't defeated, but they had us. But it took guts. It took an attitude. That's all it takes. That's all it takes to be successful is an attitude. And the Warriors move on to 4 and 0 as they go on to an eight game home. Stand. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Sorry I couldn't get to the callers on hold, but I only got an hour in this show. The Morning Roast, stay on hold, and we'll get to you on the other side with The Morning Roast. Bonte Hill, Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky, me and John Curley behind the glass. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in, and go sports. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.